What's up, everybody? If you're interested in financial planning, wealth management, insurance planning, those kind of things, uh, with a little entertainment and sports twist to it, uh, then you'll definitely want to take a listen to this episode with Paul Franklin. Paul's a longtime friend and the principal at Franklin Capital Strategies. He is working with uh, 500 families now all over this country. He works with professional athletes. He works with people in the entertainment industry. And uh, he's continuing to grow his business. And again, I love sitting down face-to-face with people that are doing cool shit and making a name for themselves in whatever industry it may be. And uh, Paul's undoubtedly one of those people doing it in this financial planning and financial services industry. So uh, as always, sit back, relax, and welcome my good buddy, Paul Franklin. We're doing like the the moving you know the moving jargon. The, the, I hate moving. It's insane. I hate moving. It's just so I like fucking ru- stressful. I like man. routine. I hate moving. I like cry when I leave. Yeah. Like we're in this little house in Arlington, this mm-hmm. cute little bungalow, like almost like something in Sugar and Falls. Yeah. And we're gonna burst at the seams in a few years, and I just dread it. I know it's insane. I love our house. It's insane. When? How long ago did you move to uh, Virginia? So I played college baseball at a Division three school in uh, Chestertown, Maryland, which is about if you drew a bridge from Baltimore across the Chesapeake Bay into Chestertown, that is where I went to school. Tiny little school. Um, just wanted to play ball, and I didn't want to sit the bench. You know, right. so I could have maybe walked on at a better school, but I would have. You could have gone bench. to like Ohio State and just been a cheerleader there. Like, yeah, <laughs> I probably could have sat in the stands, <laughs> but maybe not. Maybe not sat the bench. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't quite that good. You played baseball what since like childhood? Yeah, since we grew life. up in Lindhurst, man. Yeah. Lindhurst Dad's Lin- Club. Dude, how good was that? Sunview Elementary, riding their bikes. I still tell my dad like one of the big memories of my childhood, of my youth was. Going up to Brainerd or, you know, Lyndhurst Park, Brainerd Park, Sunview, all these places that we used to play ball. Lyndhurst Dad's Club, man. That is like one of, one of my biggest, fondest memories growing up. It it's was amazing. Like, it, it was still like sticks with, it sticks a with community you. of just characters. I mean, it's so if, great. You know, some of the guys, I mean, everybody says, you know, when I say, you know, I'm friends with Nate and, and your brothers, how do you know these guys? We, we grew up together. Literally, like, we would play tackle football till the sun went down or home yeah. run derby and like you just you just knew each other yeah there was just a we crew all were that whole cr- the whole neighborhood you know yep just so amazing so amazing those those Lindhurst dad's clubs you know that we would do the all-star game you know if you're i was good enough to barely make it into the all-star game a few years right. in a row and they're like you know announcing your name uh doing the star spangled banner like you're these are like you're i don't know 10 years old and i'm going and I still remember those feelings, man. I'm fucking 36, and I still remember that shit. It's so, amazing. Some of the coaches on those teams were were hilarious. Like, oh, they were wise guys. You I would had, have thought that they were like coaching like the late major leagues. I had a guy, no joke, I had a guy walk down the third base path and try to slip me $20 to strike out. I'm not even Stop kidding. Stop it. I'm not kidding you. Come on. I'm not kidding you. Of course <laughs> how, I didn't take how it. Old, how old were you? I was 10. Come on. I was 10. These guys, you know they were betting on they the They had to be betting on the games, they had man. To be, yeah. Holy I, shit. I remember. You should make a, somebody listening to this, make a movie of this. It's hysterical. Little League, Linner's Dance Club. It was awesome. I had a blast. <laughs> and I still miss <laughs> he it. Slip me, trying to slip you $20. Slip me 20 bucks. <laughs> I remember um, when I played on a team. Uh, I left to go to another team because the head coach wanted me, and the team that I left ended up winning it all. So I'm like, 
of course I leave and they win it all, right? I'm just the bad luck joke. Right. You know right, what I mean? Right, right. And I went to this new team that was supposed to be the hot team. We were like, <laughs> we, were, we, were, we were garbage. <laughs> I remember I, I, I played outfield and I pitched, but I was a, I was a pretty below average pitcher. And so, the, you know, they moved me behind the plate to catcher, which I ended up playing in college and high school. I loved catching. Is that what you did? Your position was yeah. your catching? Really? So basically, uh, sophomore year in high school, my head coach at Hawken said, uh, if you want to play varsity, you got to catch. So I went out to Fielder's Choice, which is a, uh, a baseball facility. I don't know if it still exists. Out in Twinsburg, I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah, Twinsburg, something like that. And I took catching lessons from a guy named um, Bill Humple. They called him Hump for years. And he just taught me the fundamentals of catching. And I went out there every single weekend, drove myself out there, and learned how to catch went to winter workouts and earned the starting spot um, and caught. And then that's what got me into college was catching. I was, uh, I was never a great hitter. Yeah, I literally, yeah. like, my junior year of college, which was my last year playing ball, I hit just around 300. Most of the time I was like a mid. I couldn't hit. Uh, I just, you know, it just was not – that was not my strong suit. But behind the plate is where I was good. You were, you were solid. Yeah. You wouldn't let anything get by. No, I loved blocking. In yeah. fact, in fact, you know, this kind of segues into my, my coaching. I've been coaching b- ball for 10 years. Mm-hmm. I coach football now. I coach football for 10 years, but I used to coach uh, high school baseball in my early 20s, and I was the catching coach. And I still laugh with the kids that I coached, and I would just – just drill balls at them and they just dreaded catching practice right. because i just i just beat them up yeah you're like that's the only way you get better exactly this is it exactly this is it yeah so that's awesome man that's awesome i the what's your take on the new there's been new, some new rules changes right in major league baseball with the catching where you can't plow over the what they uh, changed the rules a couple years ago it's or? all i mean it's always been at the high school and i believe the college level is you have to make an effort to slide you can't run. You can't run over. them over. You can. I believe in summer baseball, high school. I believe you used to be able to run guys over. But the, think about it, right? From think about football, right? With CTE and the concussions and all the safety changes, baseball, which is totally different, right? Is a non-contact sport. They're not going to encourage plowing over at the plate. No, not at so, all. So I mean, the old school people are like you know don't change the game, and but it's like. You know what? If you don't want to change the game, you're you're going to be on the wrong side of history. Right. You need to change the game. Mm-hmm. Football needs to change the rules. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I've been coaching high school football for ten years, and the program that I coach at in D.C. they were near extinction. They had seventeen players. We could barely get through seventeen a season. on a football team. Yeah. Now, now think about this. The number of boys at this school is only 135. So we're starting okay. with not a lot of kids, right? So you're about you know you got about 15 percent of the schools playing right. football i mean right. it's a the, small number the maximum number of boys i think they've ever fielded was like high 30s which if you give us high 30s we're You're like, like Woo, let's do it heels oh yeah that. yeah so we had 17 and we literally week to week had to sit there monday oh, afternoons God, and go man. can we play this team this year um and fortunately after that season the head coach went to the school and said look i need you to be open to us bringing in some kids that are good kids mm-hmm. that are going to get the g- good grades that are multi-sport athletes and so this was before i was married literally after work i would go coach and then after coaching from call it three thirty to 6 i would drive out to areas of maryland and prince george's county and i would drive to areas in dc and i would go out to what's called loudon county which is west of virginia and i would plant myself at uh, little league football practices introduce myself to the coaches 
some of them were so nice that they'd even let me speak to the team mm -hmm. about the school that I was coaching at. And I said, look, we're not this big Catholic school. We're not the best school in the area, but here's what we are. We're the, we're the Stanford of, of high school sports. You're going to get a grade A education. Right. And your son, if he comes here and can do the work, will get an opportunity to play football if he wants at an Ivy League school or a really top-tier school. Just because of the matriculation brilliant. of the kids that go to this school yeah. is so phenomenal that, you know what, so I'll give you an example. So we have a kid who is graduating as a senior from the school that I coach at in D.C., and he's from uh, Laurel, Maryland. His dad actually grew up in Cleveland, so we always talk Browns games and Ohio State games. Sure. Um, and he is going to Navy <clears throat> to play football. Really? So think about that, right? That kid. That's because of you, man. That, well, I mean, his coach. His path. His, his Little League coach met us. We, we recruited him. Sure. We told him about the he school. He would have undoubtedly had a different path. Right. Most likely. And his coach was like, you need to go to, you need to, go to this school. This is a great school. Wow. He was getting recruited by a bunch of Catholic schools, a bunch of other schools. And he came in as a freshman? He came in as a freshman. He got phenomenal grades. He's a tremendous student. He's one of the best kids I've ever coached. He listens. He absorbs what you're telling him, and he goes out and does it. It doesn't help that he's talented. Yeah, right? of so course. He makes, he makes you look good what as the make, coach. What's his name? Uh, his name is Jamal. Uh -huh. Yeah, Jamal Glenn. And he's going to Navy. Nice. We have another kid who came in as a basketball player, right? Because a lot of kids come in thinking they're basketball players, right? Mm -hmm. Because the reason being is because basketball's AAU scene is so big, yeah. and football doesn't have that scene. So he comes in as a basketball player. And as a football coach, we know this, that if you take a basketball player that's okay, that's probably not going to play at a big school, right. he, you can turn him into a Division One football prospect because of his size and his speed, yeah. right, and yeah. his athleticism. It's a le football is less of a, a, a defined skill set. Right. Basketball is very narrowly defined. Exactly. Right? Exactly. You have the athletic – it's like uh, Antonio Gates. Yeah. You know, Stud. it's those kind of guys. They, they play basketball, but they're – they're not good enough to go pro or they're not good enough to play. You know, I'm just using the pro example. Right. Or you're not good enough to go to from high school to college to play at a big college. Right. But you can go play football. Exactly. Because it translates the athleticism. Exactly. Yeah. So we took this kid and he didn't – I, from my perspective, I could be wrong. He could tell me different. I don't think he enjoyed playing his first couple of years. He didn't enjoy playing football. No. I don't think he yeah. enjoyed it. I think he played because the basketball coach encouraged him to and because we really needed him to play. Mm -hmm. he, and he was big. I mean, he's, he's a big kid. And he – all of a sudden it clicked. And it clicked because UVA started calling and Wake Forest started calling and Virginia Tech started calling. I mean, for a small school, we get tremendous yeah. coaches come through our school. It's it's really impressive. And he's now going to Wake Forest as an offensive Come player. on. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. When is he starting? Is he starting he's, next year? He's a senior. He's graduating so he's this be year. A, okay. Wow, yeah. man, that's beautiful. So, unbelievable. That's that's. We have a kid. Phenomenal. We have a kid from uh, Maryland that went to our school. That's uh, a freshman defensive back at Wake Forest, uh -huh. and uh, he played a considerable considerable amount at Nickelback and special teams as a freshman, a true wow. freshman. Wow, that's so, amazing, and, and, man. And, so the vision that you had several years back right. is now coming to it's coming to fruition. You're seeing right. these guys going off to college like right. you said that they could. Right. And it was all you know? because we had a, a great head coach. We had a supportive administration, a supportive mm -hmm. athletic director, a supportive headmaster, a supportive board of trustees. I always tell, and, and you know, I went to Hawk and here, which just hired a new head football coach um, from Virginia, actually, uh, from a school called Woodbury Forest. And um, 
you know, I was telling them and in, in, in counseling them with some advice on, on the program because the program's not doing great right now. I said, you've got to bring in quality coaches and quality people. Um, it's not so much the X's and O's. Mm-hmm. It's about the ability to teach them about teamwork yeah. and playing the game with other people and enjoying their experience. If mm-hmm. they enjoy their experience, they're going to then tell their three buddies who are on the fence to come out. So all of a sudden, right. instead of a team of 20, now you get a couple stragglers, a couple other athletes, and now you're up to 30. And that's, as a football coach, 10 players oh, is a game well, changer. Well, think about it. You're 30, a third, you just increased by about 33%. I right. mean, that's a big, that's a huge jump, man. Right, right. So... That's a, how much do uh, high school football coaches make? Not much. It's you not don't, a lot, you right? don't, yeah, yeah, you don't do like a head coach. Like a head coach at, at Hawkins. How much do you think a head coach at Hawkins or a private school like that is making? I, I don't know, but I think that they couple it with teaching duties and yeah. PE duties. You have to be a teacher, right? you got to be a teacher. You can't just be a coach. you got to be a teacher. Like for, So, for instance, I run my business, and I'm an outside coach, right? Which you know, is good because I can, I can have my world and my business, and then I can get my coaching fix. Um, you know, I started before I got into the financial services business in 2009, I started working at a private school similar to Hawken in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. It's called the Potomac School in McLean, Virginia. And I started coaching three sports and I started working in their fundraising office. And, you know, it just wasn't the path from a from a income standpoint that I ultimately wanted sure. living in an expensive area like DC. So that's when I then said, you know what, I want to run my own business. So I joined the financial services business of which I had three generations yeah. of, of legacy in already. Um, and I said, you know what, let's take a shot at this. And the first thing that my managing partner told me was, you don't have to quit coaching. He goes, if anything, it's going to keep you fresh. Right. You're going to work hard. You're going to see your clients. But then you need to take your tie off and you need to go put shorts on. You need to go run around with the kids. Don't don't lose that. Exactly. And, and some of the best advisors that I've met, they coach like three teams. I mean, I, I can barely coach one and keep it together as a new dad, let alone these guys are coaching three, four, five teams. Right. I don't know how they're doing it. Yeah. Um, Maybe they're not putting in the uh, attention <laughs> to their clients <laughs> on the flip side. Or may, I think I probably know, you know they've reduced the number of clientele and they work with, you know, the high more quality. More select. Yeah, yeah. yeah. more select. And, you know, yeah. they're 50s they're and 60s. They're older. They've had more, yep. a little more runway to do it. Yep. Uh, talk about that, man. So your, your, your coaching does obviously translate to, to you know, your line of work, financial services. Talk about a little bit about what you guys do for your clients first. Sure. First so um, – Financial services business since 2009. Um, I come from a long history of insurance planners and estate planners. So my grandfather started as an insurance advisor in 1940. And then my father joined um, with the family business in 1974. Um, And then I joined in 2009. And I started my practice in in the D.C. area, partly because I went to college there. I went to graduate school there. I had a a coaching network there. So really, you went to Maryland, right? I went to Washington College, a small, small division three school. You wouldn't have heard of it. Okay, Yeah, yeah, small school. Oh, yeah. Um, We just talked about it for the bit. Yeah. Yeah. So long story short is when you get into the financial services business where you are outreaching to people and trying to get meetings set and, and do business, you need a network. And I felt that my network was large enough in the D.C. area to where I could call on folks. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, almost nine years later, I've built a, a large practice. But what's been cool is I've been able to come back here to Cleveland and work with kids and grandkids of some of my grandfathers and fathers Isn't clients amazing? and continue yeah. you know continue that sort of that legacy that legacy which yeah. has been cool to me and some of my best friends uh, are from Cleveland they li- they've moved back to Cleveland I see a lot of people from Chicago New York 
kind of coming back here to mm -hmm. start families. I'm seeing that the city's growing. You know, the sports teams are doing great, which is always, you know, an added positive. Um, there's a lot of great things about both cities. I mean, we're, we live in D.C. Uh, right now just because that's the city for us. Um, we do, actually live Do you in, ever see yourself coming back? I wouldn't rule it out. Yeah. I think right now we're happy with where we are. Um, you know, my wife's got a great job with actually with Key Bank, believe it or not. Okay. So a Cleveland-based yeah, company. Yeah. yeah. She worked for a, a financial wellness startup. This that has got, this has Cleveland written all over. You I know. Guys down the road. Yeah, right? yeah, that's what everybody says. <laughs> it's just. Yeah, I have an office here. Yeah, I have an office here. You know everybody. Official. I mean, you've got a whole life here. Right. You've got life in both places. We but do. That's that's we nice. do. What's that's what's nice. very unique? Man. What's cool though is that you know it's a forty-five minute flight. Yeah, so, no, it's so easy. I'm here once so, a month. Would you fly out Dallas or uh, Reagan? Reagan. We yeah. live literally next door to Reagan, it's which so is easy, nice. Man. It's so yeah. great. The convenience of getting in and out of the city is is easy. Yeah, you know. Now, are you actually in DC or are you in Virginia? We're in Arlington, Virginia. You're in Arlington. Yep, just over which the is bridge. Like what? 10, 15 minute drive? No, it's a mile outside. That's of it? DC. Not even. Yeah, that's how close you are, huh? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like literally, the Potomac River splits. Yeah. DC from. I've Arlington. been to McLean and like Tyson's Corner. That's where my office is. Really? So my office. What have you been out there? Just for work over okay. the past, you know, several years. Like you know, I've got clients. You gotta let me got, know. I know. Yeah, I know that's because with your business, I didn't realize how guys. close you were. You so know, my office is in Tyson's. Really? It's so, a beautiful area, too. Yeah. So when people ask what Tyson's is, I call it the business district of Northern Virginia. It's beautiful. Yeah. Because there's so much business And out it seems there. like it's still growing. It's huge. They're building these, uh, what it's are those things that they're building across the, the metro. top? The metro. The metro. Yeah, it's amazing. Is it, is it still in process or is yeah, it Yeah, so they, they, build, they built the first leg of the metro all the way out to uh, what's called Loudoun County, mm -hmm. uh, which is a huge growing area. And then they're going to continue it all the way out to Dulles Airport. That's, that's insane. That's the plan. People that don't, I mean, it's a huge, you could tell it's a monstrosity of an effort. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. It's Tyson's huge. Corner is a, like a little gem that nobody, outside of like Virginia or DC, nobody knows about yeah. it. It's big business. There's a lot of is good it? stuff going on there. Yeah. It's a great artery, for me, it's a great artery to get everywhere to see my clients. So, just to tell you a little bit about my practice in that area. So, we've got an office there. But we have clients in Bethesda, Maryland. We have clients in Annapolis, Maryland. We have clients in, uh, you know, Loudoun County. We have clients down in uh, Woodbridge. So, you know, being in Tyson's, I can get anywhere I need to within sort of 30 minutes. That's beautiful. You know, whereas if I was in D.C., where, where if an office in D.C., I would be having to go west a lot. Yeah, it's like uh, a little hub for you there. It you is. You can just spread off from there. Right. Um, so again, back to your clients. Tell us about sure. about it, it's Franklin Capital, Capital Strategies. Strategies. Yep. So yeah, we, tell we us about so it. we so yeah. So I started my career in the insurance business in 2009, um, which I would say, if you look at our practice, it's about 70 to 75 percent uh, insurance planning, estate planning, um, and then in the last two or three years, we've transitioned to assets under management and financial planning. Um, the reason being is that. I tend to look forward 20 to 30 years, um, and a lot of my clients who are insurance clients came to us and said, hey, you know, can you help us with you know, uh, allocating an IRA, or can you help me with you know, choices in my 401k, or you know, we need help with cash flow, we mm -hmm. need help with budgeting. And so I sat back and I said, you know, we're leaving revenue on the table. People want our help, uh, but we are only right now a one-stop shop. So although we do insurance very well, and it's a large part of what we do because we feel that it's a foundation for anybody's you know, financial portfolio, um, we transitioned into this and we hope to grow it uh, even more so. And, sure, and as of sure. now, it's been, it's been successful. So you know, clients come to us in two ways. 100% of our clients are direct referral. So I was gonna ask you, how, do, how does it, yeah, yeah. how do you grow it? 
yeah. clients or direct mm-hmm. referrals. So a buddy of mine or a client of mine will call and say, hey, you got to work with my brother or hey, you got to work with my you know, physician colleague or what have you. And that's that's how and we And vice grow. versa too, probably, huh? Where he'll call the physician and say, hey, you got to work with my financial guy. Right. You got to work with Paul. Right. And really, it's just about an introduction. And yeah. what I do in the first meeting with, with most of my clients and, and prospective clients is I just want to be a resource. Mm-hmm. I just want to be a resource. What questions do you have? What are your goals? What can I just be a phone call away for you in the next you know, five, six years? And maybe you don't become a client for five years, or maybe you become a client tomorrow. But I just want to be a resource. I want people who aren't clients of our firms to be able to just say, I'm going to call Paul or his, or his firm on this question. And we will be happy to answer those questions. Of course, twenty four seven. Yeah, twenty. Yeah. So I think that kind of I told you about this earlier. I think that customer service is uh, a thing of the past and completely undervalued in our business. I think that at the end of the day, products can be purchased from any financial advisor out there. We have some proprietary things that we think put us ahead of the game in terms of our our competition, but. By and large, you can get whatever you need from any financial advisor out there. What sets us apart is our ability to understand what our clients' goals are, to deliver, and then to have that customer service and that transparency, right? People our age, when they go into a purchase, they really want to know what's behind the scenes, or at least I do. If I'm going to buy a car or if I'm going to buy a piece of jewelry for my wife or my mother or whoever, I want to know how it's priced. I want to know what I'm actually buying. Right. a, a large part of when I'm buying something, whether it's a house or a car or a piece of jewelry or what have you, where I know somebody's getting paid for what they're selling me, I'm okay with that. Okay? I don't think commissions and fees are a bad thing. Not at all. Right? Not at all. We're all in business. Of course. We're all in business. And that's motivating. Exactly. I mean, let's just call it what it is. And so, you know, if, if my realtor is selling us a house... I understand he's getting paid a commission. I don't care. You know why? Because he knows what he's doing. The better he's he gonna, does, the better it's going to be for you guys. Exactly. And yep. frankly, with, with the time that I have in my life, I don't want to worry about and do things myself. So the do-it-yourselfers are not really the best fit for our firm. We need people that want to delegate to us to give them advice and then understand that we're going to get paid for that advice um, and we're going to over deliver in terms of customer service. So if somebody calls us, you know, we're back to them or my, my client relationship manager, Wendy's back to them within 24 hours. Mm-hmm. If they email us, we're, I'm back to them within an hour. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm always on my phone. Right. You know, if anything, I need to turn my phone off. I know. It's you know, which is so hard. scary. These it days. is. It's bad. Without the phone. It's like, Jesus, man, it's our whole life. It's, it's bad. Is, is on a little <laughs> tablet. It's bad. It's crazy. Yeah. I just talked to Jan about this last night. We're sitting at dinner at the restaurant and we're both, you know, play. It's 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 so like. It's almost like when you don't pick it up for ten or fifteen minutes, you feel like naked almost. Right. Like you feel weird. Like I gotta, I gotta check. Meanwhile, you don't have to check shit. But we're like, we've become programmed. Right. Something in our minds is always like, we gotta check. We gotta check. What's, who, who's who's who needs something? Who's out? Th- you know. Right. It's twenty four hours. It's so twenty four hours. I do a lot of volunteer work with uh, Jewish Federation in Greater Washington, which is the chapter out in D.C. And I was sitting at a committee meeting on Monday, actually. And it was a it was a three hour meeting, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's a three hour meeting. And I left the meeting, and I went to the the chair, and I said, I didn't look at my phone for three hours. Thank you. This was awesome. It was for, such an engaging conversation. On when was the last time you could say that? Right? Probably uh, 
years ago, maybe. Yes. I mean, right? Yeah. Just so it just it showed the the substance of the meeting was so interesting yeah, well, that I was good. just so engaged. <laughs> you were right, paying attention. Yeah. yeah, which is good. You know, most people are on their phones. Yeah. So. Anyways, so back to back to you guys though. You're right. saying the uh, the, the customer the, service. service. Yeah. Yeah, I just feel like a lot of clients that come to us say, "Well, my advisor never called me back," or "I was a small, mm. I was a small fish in their pond," or yeah. you know, which which happens. I mean, we have probably close to god almost i'd say several over 500 clients really yeah 500 households 500 within yeah. franklin ha- capital strategies yeah households yeah over 500 wh- households yeah 500 Holy households shit, yeah. That's now some people some people came to us literally for a transaction um but and I assume some have transferred over from the generation to generation, right? right? That's part of the book, the, yep. the, the legacy, right? Exactly. That came through. Yep. So That's we, beautiful, man. You know, so some people, some people don't call us. Some people do. We try to have at least an annual review with our clients. We try to at least have a call quarterly with most of our clients. But, again, some people come to you for just transactions. Everyone's services. got something different, right? Exactly. Everyone's got a different need, different want. Exactly. Um, who are What are target type clients? Do you have like a – a certain parameters of type of ideal people that you guys are targeting. Yeah, so I have this on our on our website. It's it's small business owners, which when we say small business owners, it trickles down into the family. So if sure. we get referred into, let's say, uh, a scrap metal business, okay, we're probably doing some planning for the, <coughs> for the business owners, but then we're also doing the personal planning as well. We right. don't have to, right. but naturally they say, well, you just did our business planning or you, you just looked at our operating agreement and, and re-upped some things and updated some things. Can you help me with on the personal side? And so that's kind of what leads us into the personal planning is on the small business side. Um, so that's kind of one channel. The second channel is entrepreneurs. So starting businesses, startup companies, they don't have a lot of cash on hand, but we like to be resources for them, especially if we think that the company's gonna actually turn into something. So those are people that we have kind of as long-term growth clients. Um, so you guys are, are you guys putting money into those types of deals potentially? No, we're not, not. No, we're not, not doing that. We're, we're advising. You're not like a finance, investment no. banking, anything. No, okay. not at all. Gotcha. None of that. It's, okay. it's strictly financial services. I got it. So providing solutions for people. So giving them advice on benefits, giving them advice Structure, on- Structure, those yeah. kind of things. Okay. Yeah. And gotcha. we outsource a lot of that. So for instance, we don't manage 401k. So we outsource that to a third party that, mm-hmm. that manages that. Um, but we, we like to make you know introductions to estate planning attorneys. We make introductions to CPAs. Um, so that's kind of the second uh, channel is that entrepreneurial channel, which again trickles down to their family, right? Sure. So if you notice the pattern here, you start at the at the small business or the entrepreneurial level, and then you trickle down to the family planning. Right. The third channel is um, in athletes and then entertainers, which just being a coach. Let's get right to the sexy stuff here. Right. Channel right, right. three here. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's the sexy stuff on the cover, but it's it's a yeah. grind, as you hey, know. Man, yeah. I listened to your your podcast with Andy. Uh, you guys are both great. And I remember uh, driving into Cleveland when I was 25 going, hey, Nate and Andy, will you sit down with yeah, me? Yeah, I remember that. And yeah. we, we, where do we meet at? P.F. Like Chang's, Chang's, right? Yep, That's what P. I thought. P.F. Chang's. Yeah. So, you know, it's a, it's a lot of meeting with agents. It's a lot of meeting with business managers. Um, it's a lot of meeting with personal trainers and, uh, you know, f- coaches and, and obviously players and their families. How's that, how's that portion of your business going? It's good. It's good. It's a small portion. Um, but what I like to say is we're looking to get quality players and entertainers. We don't necessarily need 100. Of course. We really want one or two. Yeah. One or two. That's solid. how it is for the agents too. You know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You'd rather you'd rather have like a, a first one first round draft pick every year. Exactly. Than five, you know, draft picks between rounds three and six. I mean, exactly. it's just the, that's just the truth. Exactly. You know. Yeah. So for us, you know, we're looking for the right fit. Mm-hmm. The right fit is key. Um, 
what is different than the financial services business is the agent business is, and again, this happens a lot, is, uh, you know, in, as an agent, you never know if they meet another agent or if they meet somebody that's going to push them in another direction. That's yeah. kind of scary, right? So we're always making sure that, look, we can be, you know, either helping you with insurance or helping you manage your money or helping you with cash flow, or we could refer you out to an attorney or an accountant. But we want to make sure that you're going to come to us and be, and you're going to be the right fit for our firm. If you're not going to pick up the phone and you're not going to answer an email, we don't want to work with you. I mean, we're not going to spin our wheels and waste our time trying to chase somebody that doesn't want to be helped. And Absolutely. that's why you see the percentages of, of players going broke. Because they're just not, they don't have the business acumen. They're not thinking about it early enough. I understand that they need to focus on playing. But I know that the agent's important, and I'm not trying to discount that. But I think that the player needs to hire a financial team just as quickly as they hire an agent. Oh, it's, and, it's arguably even more important. Right, because think about it, right? When the player is done, the agent has to go recruit that next player. Exactly. Right? So the financial team, and when I say the financial team, I mean the advisor, the insurance specialist, the lawyer, uh, or you know whether that lawyer is an estate attorney or acts as general counsel to the player or, and as accountant, right? That's, that's the best team right there, surrounding yeah. that player or that entertainer with that best team. They have to work with that person, okay? For for the next thirty to forty years to make sure that they preserve. Yeah, and this grow is their a lifetime money. relationship. This is a the lifetime agent relationship. agent thing kind of can be, but that relationship becomes less important over time. Right. You know, unfortunately, especially as the player's career starts to dwindle down. Right. And they go into other things. Yeah, that agent, if he's a good person and a good, he has good contacts, could help him transition to a post career kind of maybe media job or help him get you know involved in some businesses, but. Most of that stuff is the, the the real real heavy heavy lifting, so to speak, is going to come from his, that player's financial team. Right. Those are the people that are going to be with him forever. Hundred percent. You know. And uh, instituting that team, getting back to that circle of team right there, you got to have checks and balances, right? Mm -hmm. So advisors are being held accountable for their recommendations. So, for instance, if a financial advisor is making a recommendation, the attorney can say, "All right, let's look at that from both sides," versus uh, players who entrust all of their money to one advisor. Bad, bad juju right uh -huh. there. You don't want that. Yeah. If you have an if you have a player that just works with one advisor, I'm scratching my head a really? little bit. Really? Yeah. Just because if you look at all of the stories to where players are getting taken advantage of, it's uh -huh. because they've entrusted one person. Yeah. So so the clients that you guys have, for example, in that are playing professional sports or in the entertainment world. Do most of them, they have multiple advisors? They have multiple advisors. We typically get referred in as like the third or fourth person. Okay. We you, actually, you actually tell them, hey, you should probably have another advisor for this portion of your... If, if their team is already in place and we're just that kind of player on that team, then we're just, we're just being sought out for advice. We're not the point person. Okay. But if we come into a situation with a young player or a young entertainer where they don't have a team... Then we quarterback it, uh -huh. which is what I love to do. I love to oh, play yeah. quarterback. Well, that's where your your strengths are for sure. Right, and then I, I reach out to an attorney, and I reach out to a CPA, and I reach out to you know if I want to outsource the the uh, the asset management, we'll do that as well. And uh, and then we kind of have a nice team, and we bounce ideas off of each other, and everybody's held accountable, yeah. and, and it, everybody wins. Yeah, the I mean, checks it, and balances approach. It's huge. That's the way. That's it's huge. The way. Yeah. What um? How many clients do you guys have now? Uh, that, that outside outside of the the five hundred, how many clients do you have in uh in the sports? So we're under ten 
Under or 10. Under 10. Okay. Yeah. But they're high quality clients. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's really the most important. How about yeah. entertainment? Uh, right about three right now. Three. Yeah. yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the types of people that you work with? And I know without so, naming names. Right. So yeah. we're so uh, right now we're into the, the niche of what we call creative direction. Uh, so people that are creative directors for artists and entertainers. So basically they're choreogra- choreographing their dance routines. They're picking their outfits for photo shoots. Um, you know, they're, they're designing uh, dance routines for, you know, an award show, things like that. So wow. kind of what we call the back, background artists. Yeah, sure. Uh, they're almost like the brains of the operation. They're like the logistics manager that brings the whole thing together. Exactly. Huh? Yeah. Wow. So those That's are the types amazing, of folks. Man. Yeah. And you're going to ultimately, would you work with a, a high-profile artist, R&B artist, or those kind of things if you had the opportunity? I would, or is that we, not what you're looking for? We would love to get referred up to that, to okay. that ladder. I think that takes time. Um, so we're just putting a lot of hard work in with, uh, with the people behind the scenes that are making the artists look good. And then I think naturally there, there may be some yeah. introductions. So you're not out at the senior bowl, are you? No, you're not doing, no, that we don't, we don't attend the events. You're not doing that kind of stuff. We don't attend the events. We don't go to the combine. We're, we're literally direct referral from, yeah. you know, high school coach or, you know, we know the mother or we know the father or we know the brother and, and that's how we're referred in. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, that's, uh, that's incredible. Um, and the, again, so going back to the coaching aspect, um, the coaching, we kind of were touching on it before, the coaching translates to how you're dealing with your clientele, correct me if I'm wrong. Right. And so so how does that how does that work? Everyone needs their own type of coaching, right? Everyone needs their own type of uh, uh, motivation, how they're handled. You know, when you have a client, for example, that um, wants to go in, in, in on a bender and, and, you know, maybe a high net worth client, and they're calling you, hey, I'm going to go away for the weekend. This may have never happened, but something similar. And I want to spend X amount of dollars on this, 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 and this. Um, and you know that that's probably not the best thing for that client to do based upon the situation. How do you handle a situation like that? Just as if you would handle someone coaching you know, in, in the football game. So when we're working with a player, and if, let's say we're brought in to help with the cash flow, um, we understand you know, explaining to them, here's gross, here's net. Here's what you have after taxes. Okay. Here's the money that needs to go to fixed expenses. Here's the money that needs to go to discretionary expenses. And mm-hmm. here's and here's what's left over. Mm-hmm. And what's left over is essentially their free money. As long as what they want to do is within their free money sort of uh, allowance, yeah. per se, then we sign off. You know, we say, yeah, sure. I mean, again, we're, we're we're not their babysitter, and you can't you can't stop them from right. doing and it. And they could you know? they could agree with us or disagree with us, but I'll be honest with you: if they consistently disagree with us and they push back on us, it's not the it's right, not the right fit. fit. It's not it's yeah. not worth it for us. You know, I think one of the biggest misconceptions for people outside of the, the sports and entertainment, or you know, outside of this business in general, is they see the players go broke. I'm going back to the players and the entertainers and yeah. this kind of stuff. They see the players going broke, and one of the first things people want to do is. Well, does he not have a good financial advisor? Does he not have a good financial planning team? I, they, they think automatically that that financial advisor didn't do a good job. You know what I'm saying? Or or the uh, wasn't wasn't there for the player? Didn't sh- teach him right for wrong? Didn't tell him no? People don't realize first at the end of the day. First of all, it's the player's money, just like any other client. It's their money. So you or any other advisor from Merrill Lynch down can't stop and control that player or that person 100% right 100% that, to me that's one of the biggest misconceptions in general public mind is when they see these guys going broke the Antoine Walkers of the world these guys that have made 100 million who's now plus. in the financial services business by is the way is he yeah <laughs> that's 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 yeah. that's hilarious yeah. he's in the financial ser- like like yeah, and giving I'm not advice say- 
I think he is is a entry level associate, to my knowledge, to where he's trying to kind of change his tune a little bit, which is a good thing. Maybe right? he's, he's coaching people around. and saying, right. maybe what here's he's doing what I is, did is what I did. Here's what yeah. I did, son. Yeah. And guess what? You, you you made a few million dollars. I made a hundred million. Yeah, and, and a I'm lot broke. of a lot of players are getting, that makes sense. A lot of players are getting into the financial services business, which I think is great, right? Because who better to get into that business than people that actually went through those yeah. those times? Mm-hmm. So I think if you can add, so like for instance, right now. We're recruiting a guy that that played offensive line at Ohio State and and transferred to Duke um, and played played line there. We're recruiting him to come work for us, okay? Because uh, he was in that world. He gets it. He's a good kid. He's mm-hmm. a smart kid. Um, he's getting a a degree from Duke right now. Grew up in Ohio, and um, it's a perfect example of the That's type of people fit. we want to add to oh, our team. Yeah, no doubt. But you know what? So how do you handle a, a player like that? You just basically might have to say, like you said, this is not going to be the right fit, huh? Not the right fit. Yeah, it's not the. But we find out it's not the right fit right up front. Okay. You know, because when you meet with a player, okay, and they come into a lot of money, as you know, a lot of people come out of the woodwork. A lot of people come out of the woodwork. Sure. And, um, like you said, it's the player's money. It's not mom's money. It's not dad's money. It's not uncle's money. It's not coach's money. And it's not Franklin Capital Strategies' money. And it's yeah, right. It's, and it's, that's what it we're comes not. Down co- to. We're not custodian of the money. Right. We don't have financial power of attorney. And to be honest with you, unless you're signing up with a company that does what's called like bill pay and payroll, who typically has financial power of attorney to make those decisions, you most times do not want to give an advisor financial power of attorney. That's a that's a big no. Oh yeah. And that's Talk why about a conflict of, you and, know. and that's why you have a lawyer in the mix on mm-hmm. that team because the lawyer would never allow that. Never. No. And you don't want that no. responsibility no, nor course. do you want to have that. I mean that's not right. a good thing to have. Just like the agent shouldn't be handling the client's money. Oh, I mean no. it's the, that's that's the biggest No. What I've noticed is even in the last 9 10 years I've noticed agencies when I go to their websites they rarely talk about financial services now. They're kind of, let's get that off our website because uh-huh. they don't want to have that fiduciary yeah. responsibility. Well, they shouldn't. And the NFLPA is, has ramped up their program, uh, you know, and they should. Um, you know, and getting back to, to that program, I think it's a really good program, and they have a lot of cool boot camps that I've been reading about, and yeah. they got a lot of good advice and instruction. Um, but there have been people that have been uh, fined and barred and kicked out of the industry that were members of that club. I know. It's so, so dirty when people say, are you registered with this or are you registered with that? As a financial <clears throat> advisor, as long as you have your licenses um, and you're affiliated with, with, with companies and a broker dealer or a registered investment advisor, you just answer to your clients and you have your internal compliance. You, know, you don't need to be a member of some club you know, right. to, to, to improve your, you know, appearance. Why, why are so many of these advisors just, it seems like the advisors, there's just so many lazy, um, just lazy people in the business, just sitting back waiting for the, right? I mean, uh, that that's the, that's what I've seen. I think the biggest problem is they're putting their clients' money in non-traditional investments. So anything other than the market, uh, and when I say the market, equities, bonds, uh, re, you know, real estate um, and, you know, insurance planning. I, those things have been around for hundreds of years. Anything other than those basic blocking and tackling things, just not. not no no not, fundamentals there. Huh? Not keen on those, yeah. you know. So well, like, what, for example, restaurant. Restaurant. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, my buddy started a retail yeah. clothing business, oh, Jesus. Uh, you know, or 
I think the real estate you got to be very careful. You got to have a an attorney that that knows those projects and knows those types of investments. Um, real estate, depending on the type of real estate, can be very very risky. And remember, real estate's not liquid. Unless you have income coming in off the real estate, it's not liquid. It's brick and mortar. Right. So if you have your client in equities or uh, in, in an insurance product that has cash or, or what have you, that money is essentially liquid. You may get penalized, you may get taxed, but that money's liquid if you need sure, it. Sure. If you start putting a ton of money into brick and mortar, you know, that, that isn't within your risk tolerance right. and a proper diversification strategy, it could be trouble. When you say liquid, you mean basically readily available should you need it. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and you know, yeah. and these guys, when you put it into a commercial deal, that could take a long time to get it out. Right. Right. Yeah. Now, if they've got, you know, if they've got an annuity coming where they got checks coming for the rest of their life, yeah, that's great, you know, out of out of the real estate deal. If they own a commercial building or, or something like that, but a lot of these are kind of what ifs, throwing hail marys in the air, and it, it, they don't usually work out. How many people do you have working for you? So the way our firm works is we. So I started my career with New York Life, which is a huge, huge. insurance company, and then um, I work with Eagle Strategies, which is our registered investment advisor, which is a subsidiary. So I'm affiliated with the broker dealer, but I'm also affiliated with the registered investment advisor, which means I'm a duly registered advisor, and so I have all of those resources. So we're talking thousands of people at my fingertips. And I'm also registered with an organization down in Dallas, which is made up of 40 attorneys and CPAs, which provides value add to my clients. Hmm. So they review documents, they review wills, they review trusts, they review operating agreements of businesses. And so I think we're bringing a lot of extra value that you're not getting from your run-of-the-mill financial advisor. No, that's that's fantastic. So actively, so, and then so we you guys are really kind of like, a, you have the resources of, when I think of big boys, like the Wells Fargo's or the... Murals and those kind of guys, right? But we're not a bank, so we don't, you know, we don't open checking and savings accounts. We don't, uh, we don't do loans. We don't do lending. We don't get into mortgages. We are strictly, you know, assets under management, financial planning fees, strictly and, and insurance planning. planning. Yeah, wealth your, management. That kind your of. bread and butter. Yeah, your bread and butter. Oh, that's beautiful. It's not sexy, but it's needed and it's there and it's not going anywhere. What's a, a typical day in the life of Paul Franklin, if there even is such a thing? Typical day in the life. So um, up between you know six thirty and seven thirty. Um, my you know we're a dual income household. So yeah. you know we've got a uh, we've got a nanny that comes in the morning, and um, my wife and I switch off. Somebody takes the morning shift. Somebody takes the evening shift. Um, my business is very fluid to where if I have a client that needs to meet at five thirty at night or seven thirty at night, and you know we, we we're in the midst of planning or we need to do something, you know I've got to get that coverage at the home front now yeah. having an almost one year old. So it's um, amazing. How's that? How's that? That first year is pretty crazy, huh? It's funny. Everybody said having a kid changes your life. It changes your life. It's it's awesome. Yeah, we love it. Yeah, it's amazing. We love it. And I have a, almost time for number two now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what everybody I, says. I, I, I was gonna say it's this like, is the time after that first year. Everyone's okay. Where's the you know? What's the next one coming? It never stops. Right. What's uh-huh. the, the next one? How so many, how many do you guys want? I do think you know? I would like two. Ask you after two, right? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think I would like two. Two would be a good. One number. of each would be nice. Two is a good number. Yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. And um, so you know, and then if I have meetings in the office, I'm in the office. Uh, but I, I travel quite a bit, so I'm back to Cleveland typically once a month. Um, we go up to New York, Chicago, and now we're starting to go out to L.A. more. Um, but what I do that's a little bit different than the traditional advisor is we run a virtual practice as well. So, um, you know, 
for, for our clients that are dual income households that have a couple of kids, it's tough to sit down with somebody at seven o'clock at night, or it's tough to make time, you know, at 9 a.m. So we do a lot of 12 to one virtual lunch meetings. Yeah. Where, well, you and I have done it. Right. We've the, done it together. Yeah, of yeah, course. The, yeah. Hus- the husband is uh, at work. The wife's at work. We send yep. them a link to yep. go onto a screen share. They view my computer in case I need to show them anything, and mm-hmm. then we have the conference call. Oh, it's beautiful. And to be honest with you, you know, we're all saving gas. Oh, uh, we're great. all saving our time and yeah. traffic. Yeah, it's easy. And that's typically my younger clientele. Yeah, they're more in tune with that. My older clientele, I've gotten them more in tune with that, yeah. but they're not quite there yet. <laughs> but to be honest with you, there's nothing that replaces face to face. Oh, meeting. it's the best. You know, well, even this podcast. You know, people have said, "Hey, can I call in?" I've got people that are in Chicago, LA. I've got you know some sports managers out there, MMA management, right? Guy in Chicago, um, you know, people all over this country that I, they've said, "Hey, can we call in?" I listen. If it's a if it's a big client, like a big name person, they want to call in. We'll make it work. Yeah, but this face to face, this is this is the real. This is authentic. This is great. This is not you know. I don't. I'm trying to keep it more face to face interaction. Yeah, because we don't do that. You anymore. don't get this. You don't get the sitting across from this. This is a lost art. It is. This is this is like yesteryear, man. And you know what? When uh, I'll tell you a story. So my my grandfather, uh, his office was Corky Lunny's. Mm-hmm. He would plant himself at Corky's or Jack's, whichever one he was feeling that day. Yeah. At five a.m., and he wouldn't leave till six p.m. Are I, you serious? He wouldn't leave till six p.m. <laughs> and literally, it's a lot of corned beef. He, oh my god, he'd meet a client at five thirty or six a.m. and then he would uh, somebody in the booth behind him would uh, hear their conversation and go, hey, I got a question. Can I sit down and talk to you about my situation? He, make yourself at home, cup of coffee, you know. And he would literally plan himself. That was his office. Wow, that's how he that built his business. brilliant. But that's old school. That's, that is so old school. So when I got into the business. That is beautiful stuff. When I got into the business, wow. I started scheduling breakfast meetings and breakfast meetings. And like, I was 25, 26. And people were kind of like, why do you want to eat breakfast so much? And I'm like, I, it, it's a great way to get to know you. You share food. You're it, it. The tension's low. It's a great yeah, way to just, get to know you. Just you just woke up. Nothing's pissed yeah. you off yet. Yeah, the exactly. Day, right. Yeah. yeah. So you know, everybody calls me the breakfast meeting guy. It's like you know, I'd rather it do works. that than go sit in a so conference true. room. Such a good you know? point, man. It's just a better. It's a better thing. And when you're face to face with somebody, you know what I've always found. There's a couple places in McLean that I go to all the time. When you're face to face, you're out. You meet somebody that you've maybe wanted to do business with, mm-hmm. and they're sitting at the table next to you, mm-hmm. and they go, "Oh, you know." He, Oh, he's working with this person. Oh, yeah. yeah, we'll give him a call. Yeah. So it's kind of that gotta familiarity. Be visible, man. Yeah. You got to be out there. You got to be out you gotta there. You got to stay out there. Yeah. It's a lost art because these people now, they just they just have been growing up in this society where it's all email or text message or, right. you know, the, the social stuff, right. you know, the social media. It's a lost art. The, when people hear you say that your grandfather sat there at the deli all day, they probably don't even know what that, what that really means. Exactly. You know? like, and, and in our business, a lot of people don't know that our business um, has a very low retention rate. It's not easy to be in our business. Are there a lot of uh, agents that are trying to uh, – agents, a lot of uh, advisors that try to go out and steal other people's clients? I mean, is that part of the industry or not much? Uh, so I, I wouldn't say steal kind of like you see in the agency business a little bit. Right. Um, I would say compete. Like the Doran Dickerson story? You heard that on our podcast? Did you listen to that? With I, me and Andy? Yeah. 
where Doran Dickerson was sliding. During, I was walking my dog when I was listening yeah, to the sliding podcast. Yeah, sliding on draft day, and then other agents are calling him going, man, what the hell's, yeah. what the hell are your agents doing for you? Like, yeah. that's the dirty we, part we of, would never of do the that. agency We, would never, no. do, nah, we well, would never do that. I would never do that to uh, to somebody else. Of course but, not, because you're getting But that's what, that's what happens in the right. agent business. Right. The, the financial planning of it is not, not quite no, like that. No, yeah. I mean, what we do is, and I'm happy to do this, what we do is if I'm sitting down with a client and they say they've been with a wirehouse for 20 years, I want to add value to that client in a way that he or she's not already getting value from the current advisor. So I want to supplement what that advisor is doing. I don't want to compete with go. what that advisor is doing. Mm-hmm. So, and I also I want to meet that advisor. Yeah. And I want that advisor to like our offerings and understand that we're not going to come in and do stuff behind your back and take your client that that a lot of advisors will do. Okay. So, for example, I'll just I'll give you you know brass tacks. So, if an advisor is managing let's say a couple million dollars for a client, we're gonna come in and we're gonna put our insurance hat on. What are you doing for your insurance planning? Exactly. You know? Um, and, and when you say that, you're talking life insurance, you're talking- Primarily life, disability, and long-term care. Okay. Okay, we don't do health, we don't get into that. And you do uh, you do term and whole? We do all types of insurance. We do, we, we call it temporary and permanent. Okay. Yeah, so we call it temporary and permanent insurance and our clients own either, you know, all of one, all of the other, or a blend or of a both. Or a mix, right? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, to getting on that in, uh, subject of insurance, you know, you could ask your neighbor what type of insurance you should buy and then you could go down the street and ask your other neighbor what insurance you should buy and they all, they're all, uh, you know, experts, right? Everybody's an expert in what kind of insurance you buy or what stock you should invest in. It, it comes down to your goals. It comes down to what you're trying to accomplish, and it comes down to what the menu's offering you, okay? Mm-hmm. If um, if you have a an advisor that is pushing a particular product and not showing you the breadth of the menu, I would scratch my head on that. Yeah. We show the menu. Now, we'll strongly say, hey, we strongly recommend that you look into this because we feel it's the best fit for you. Right. Whether or not they do it is, is entirely up to them. But we show the full menu. Yeah, you'll, see, um, you'll get options B, C, and D, for example. Right. Yeah. And so we, again, getting back to with other advisors and clients, we want to supplement what that advisor's not doing. So somebody who's primarily come up in the wirehouse world that manages money, they, they don't know insurance. They don't know underwriting. They don't track medical records. They don't understand the different risk classes. They don't understand the market. I mean, we have access to every insurance carrier out there. So if we can't place somebody within our primary company, we're going out to all the different companies in the market out there. Mm-hmm. If there's a product that a client comes to us and wants and I don't offer it with my primary offerings, we're going out to the market. We're finding it for that client. Yeah, It's really important to us. Talk about, uh, before we finish off here shortly, the difficulties in just growing a business, man. Just, you know, the ups and downs. Yeah, so uh, I think when you break our business down, whether you're an agent or whether you're in the car business or the real estate business or in our business, um, you're selling something, right? You're either selling yourself or you're, or you're selling a product or you're selling a service. And I think today uh, people shy away from sales, okay? In my opinion, this type of business allows my family and myself to to grow our life in any way possible, but it also gives me the one thing, which is flexibility to run our life the way we want to run. I don't have to show up at 9. I don't have to leave at 5. I don't have to sit in a cubicle. If I want to fly out to New York to meet a client and go see a show or go to a nice dinner, we, we can do that. So have, if I want to coach football 3.30 every day and get my mind off things, I can do that. Um, if I'm going to go train for a triathlon 
and train for two hours in the pool every day. I can do that. You got to work harder, but you can do that. And so, you know, I still, again, I told you we get most of our clients through direct referral, but I still find people. It's fun for me, especially in the sports entertainment world. I find people that I want to meet and I, I grind to get their I name and do. number yeah. and I will, I will call them out of the blue and I will try to work, figure out a way to get an introduction where they maybe know somebody that I know. And I will, I mean, I've, geez, I've flown out. I flew out to Arizona for spring training and uh, had a dinner lined up with a player. Didn't show up. Now, he had an excuse. He said, you know, whatever, whatever, but didn't show up. Nope, nobody knows that. I, dro- I flew five hours yeah. for a no-show. Um, that was just this past spring training? No, no, no. Oh, this was okay. in 2010. Okay. And this was in uh-huh. 2010. So, But look, it, 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 it's part of it. it it's uh, another notch on your belt, so to say. Yeah. You know, you have to go through failures. I, oh, yeah. I run to failure. Mm-hmm. I love failing. Yeah. Failing motivates me to get to that next level. I love when people tell me no because then when people tell me no or, or you're not the right fit or we don't want to work with your firm or we're, we're busy right now or we have somebody else, I, that's data for me. So I go back and I go, okay, how could we approach this differently? Or for me, no means no no, not right now. Not right now. Doesn't mean no forever. means no, not right now. So, I, you know, uh, being professionally persistent was something that a mentor taught to me, being professionally persistent, um, you know, just always following up, saying, I'd love to be a resource to you in the future. Um, please let me know five, six, seven years. Let me be your backup quarterback. Let me be your plan B. Totally. I'm happy to be your totally. plan B. Because if you're working with an advisor that's Let's be frank. If you're working with an advisor that's 60 years old plus, and I'm 33, you know, just do the math. I'm going to be around a lot longer, hopefully. Right. I, I want to make sure that your plan is continuing in place. And not only that, I want to make sure that your plan, after you're gone, you know, Mr. or Mrs. Client, I want to make sure that your plan is continuing to pan out with your children and to your grandchildren. And guess what? Who better to be there than a 33-year-old advisor? No and doubt. that's what we no try doubt. to position. So it's a lot of that. Yeah. I think what you said was beautiful, man. You love being told no. I love it. You know how rare that is? I love it. I smile. No, most I people, love it. Most people just crumble under no. I love it. They crumble under adversity. They don't know how to handle it. They, they curl up into a little ball. They shy away. They quit. Like you said, the retention rate in the industry is, is 12%. I mean, how many advisors are they, they're I, I mean, in and then they're gone? I, I mean, I meet new advisors quit. all day, and I and I, I I'm so not going to see them. any of them in five yeah. years. You know, I keep my in the office. I keep my head down. Yeah. I keep blinders on. You know, uh, my grandfather, my my father told this to me. Uh, you know, you can't work with your buddy in the office, so you you can't work with them. They can't become clients. Right. So what are you going to lunch for them? For? Yeah. yeah. Go to yeah. lunch with a prospective client. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's wasted, wasted I, I see, opportunity. Wasted I see time. so many new advisors yeah. running in packs. Now, if you're doing joint work with an advisor and you have a mentor that's doing joint work with you, that's that's a whole nother that's a whole nother topic. You need to have that that team atmosphere. Mm-hmm. But if you're just if you're just lingering around the office, I mean, get out of the office. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just think it's go work out. Man. Or, it's go work out. You know, so many people just crumble under adversity these days, and being told no. The successful ones can be told no a million times, man. And then a million and one, they are told yes. Yeah. You know, those are the types of people that, that are going to be successful in life. Yeah. And, I, you know, you could see it when you sit across from you. I know there's a lot of agents that, 
have relationships with you on the, on the sports side. It sounds like you've got contacts growing now in the man, uh, entertainment world as right. well, which is beautiful. Um, you've got a whole uh, host of clients all over this country, it sounds like, starting back from generations ago right. to where you are now. And uh, 500 families. I mean, you should yeah, be just, just about 500 households. That's, that's a big feat. That's yeah. a huge. It's feat. a lot. It's a lot to manage. And and it's going to con- only continue to grow because if you're looking for a financial planning or financial advisor, uh, estate planning, wealth management, insurance, that whole package that you guys provide, you got to find somebody that you trust. I think you said it beautiful at the beginning. Yeah, we could all provide products, but who's providing the elite services? Find someone you can trust. Find somebody that's passionate. Find somebody that's out there that you know is going to put your interest first all day long, and that's always available. That's you, man. Yeah. Franklin Capital Strategies. Appreciate so, it. Thanks for having uh, me on. No, it's great. How do people reach you guys? So www.franklincapitalstrategies.com. Um, that's the easiest way to check us out and learn about our story. Um, we put a lot of hard work into that website, and we're going to continue to improve upon it. Um, we're building our visibility, um, you know, in writing on LinkedIn and, and putting out, you know, uh, we don't want to just, when we put out posts and things like that, we don't want to just have, uh, you know, a lot of people put out product and things like that. We want to just, we want to give good advice and we want to just uh, relate to people. Um, and we want people to feel comfortable with us. What I always tell people is, you know, you're, if anything, you're probably going to email me or call me to say, okay, okay we're good. Uh, we, we can meet once a year. Like, I'm not right. going to underreach out to you. Right. If anything, like, I want to go to dinner with you. Yeah. I want to go to the Cavs game with you. I, I want to I hang out. You're our, available. Yeah. Our clients, like, my wife and I, I mean, you know, I've like, got... There he is. Paul's calling again, honey. Here. I got <laughs> to tell him we can't make it. We, we have a couple friends that we go out to dinner with, and, and our clients are family. And, you know, we hang out with them all the time and we love that familiarity and, and it's just nice. It's nice to have no, that. It's nice great, to do man. business with people you like. Oh, you know what I mean? That's what it, it comes down to. You know what? With people There's three you like. rules in, in business, you know, make friends, right? People, the three r- rules are, rule number one is uh, when all things are considered equal, people like doing business with friends. Mm-hmm. Rule number two, when all things are not considered equal, people still like doing business with friends. Mm-hmm. Rule number three is make friends. Make friends. Yeah. It's all about the people. No doubt. Thanks for coming, brother. Appreciate Stay it. Stay in touch, yep. as always. Always. And thank you for listening to a, another episode of The Optimal Life. Really appreciate the support. And uh, if you guys enjoy what you're listening to and enjoy what you're hearing, as always, please click subscribe and Give us the five-star rating so we can continue to elevate the podcast within Apple Podcasts and everywhere else that the podcast is played and provided. And uh, leave us a comment. Leave us feedback. You could. Uh, we're always open to feedback, whether it's positive or negative. So uh, you know, we want to do whatever we can to improve the show. And if there's something that we're missing, then let us know. You could reach me also on Instagram at Nathan Haber. And uh, again, I know that you have a lot of listening options these days. There's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of people sharing different things. So if you are listening to this podcast and if you're a loyal listener to this podcast, from the bottom of my heart, I want to just say thank you. Uh, very grateful for that. And uh, we're going to continue providing you guys with the best content possible so that we can continue to live an optimal life and be our optimal and best selves. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks.